0: We are building it bigger, we are widening the corridors and adding more
1: lanes, we are building a religion, a limited edition, we
0: are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains, to resist it is useless, it is useless to resist it, his cigarette is burning but he
1: never seems to ash, he is grooming his poodle, he is living comfort eagle, can meet at his location but you'd better come with cash now his
0: hat is on backwards he can show you his tattoos he is in the music business he is calling you dude now yeah, today is tomorrow and tomorrow today and yesterday is weaving in and out, out welcome to kush vlog strap yourself in because you are now entering the rant zone With your host, it's Matt Chrisman.
1: Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. We're back in the office. We're uh, beta testing a new setup, of course, and I think we're all going to be very happy with it when it all comes together. It's going to be fantastic. But for now, I'm just going to talk for a bit. Nobody has to get mad that it's different. It'll be the same for this anyway i'm going to be talking directly to you as i always do from slightly far distance but presumably with better fucking uh audio because chris is here and he's master audiophile that's the only type of file he is by the way don't start any rumors um today i wanted to start talking i want to get off on a rant here as dennis miller would say because a piece of media was produced today that was basically designed to annoy me and designed to get it a rise out of me and uh, I, uh, it did to a small extent to the extent that it provided me some grist for this mill uh, and that's of course the Art Atlantic article about Sean McKelvey about how, and, uh, how he's trying to get the left to uh, grow up and stop, uh, stop doing owns and start getting some real progressive policy passed by hitching their wagon to the winning team known as the Democratic Party Uh, And, of course, a lot of people got really mad at it as well. They should. Every article about him is infuriating. Every quote by him is designed to make your fucking skin crawl. He is just the worst sort of clearly vacant-eyed, amoral, grasping climber who sees an opportunity to weasel weasel himself into a sinecure uh, who has never believed in anything uh, and now wants to use his ability to mouth the language of, of like the burgeoning online left, whatever the hell that is to, uh, to secure for himself really more than anything, a position, uh, in the democratic, uh, patronage network. He is a lot like sort of a left, a a liberal Charlie Kirk because he's offering basically the same thing to the establishment of his party that he prefers. Charlie Kirk's pitch to the nation's rancid grandparents is, I will prevent your uh, grandkid from turning gay or getting purple hair uh, when they go to college by doing epic memes at them. Uh, McElwee's plea to uh, pitch to the Democratic establishment is, I promise that I will get these uh, these damn internet uh, troll kids to uh, get with the program and uh, stop posting pig footballs balls at Kamala Harris, but instead vote for her. Uh, and in both cases, actually accomplishing that goal is meaningless it's secondary the only real goal is getting the gig and keeping it and things like this pieces of pr like this are part of that so that's the main reason the article exists is is, is self promotion for him and maintaining his position in this party structure uh but there is a deeper emptiness to it that i think is very uh is very resonant for me anyway and it's is that that article which i didn't read all of i just read some excerpts that article is not pitched towards, you know, uh, disaffected online millennial leftists, whatever the hell. It's pitched towards, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the Atlantic. It's for Atlantic readers. It's people who already have made the same uh, compromises to themselves that Sean McElwee has, have made the same decision to, to just go along, to get along, and to be absorbed into the Democratic Borg uh, because it's the path of least resistance and it's the one that allows them to materially benefit the most. And so all the stuff about, Hey, listen to me. I know how to win, which, you know, as a guy who backed Warren is pretty hilarious because whatever you want to say about anybody in 2016, nobody had a, 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 a less firm grasp on the electorate than the fucking Warren did as, as exhibited by her actual performance in the race. Uh, but he's still around because there is still a need to have people who speak the language of, you know, r- of radicalism, whatever that means. And it's largely been, It's, it's had meaning part of drained out of it, uh, but on behalf of the establishment. So that article is only for other people who already agree with McElway. And so he's doing it for self-promotion, but what are they reading it for? What are they getting out of it? And, and, and what is he getting out of like the self-justification besides self-promotion? Uh, and I think a lot, part of it is just that old Job quote, the wicked flee when none pursueth from the Bible where These people won, you know, like Sean McElwee, obviously picking Warren wasn't a victory, but considering that he wasn't actually interested in doing anything other than getting himself a job and keeping himself, uh, like with his tick, like, uh, position, uh, within the democratic establishment, it doesn't matter if Warren won or not. He is now selling Biden to, to the young people. And that, and that means that he's got a, a job. So, so he won because he didn't really care what happened unless other than him succeeding. Uh, we lost because we were actually trying to, you know, break the power that is behind the Democratic Party, and that might have been a fool's errand, but I, I, it, it felt like it was worth trying at the time, that's for sure. Uh, but they won, and he won, and so what is this like? What, what are why are you insisting this shit about? Oh, you got to grow up and stop being mean to me. I, the, the only, the only enemies that he talks about in the piece that I saw, uh, the only people pushing back against his argument are unnamed trolls a guy with a homer simpson avatar who calls him a sellout which is hilarious because he had nothing to sell out he's a hollow-eyed fucking uh con artist i mean the guy went to denise de fake evangelical diploma mill in the empire state building and then got a heritage foundation fucking uh uh internship out of it he just he went to where he thought that there was more opportunity because as as a as a refrigerator wide white guy is uh, it's sort of there's a lot of those guys over at the, uh, 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 at the trough in the Republican party that he could like better leverage his brand on the left. Uh, but these people know that there's nothing to any of this. They know that this is completely empty. And so they're just going to keep yelling at a phantom at this phantom opponent, the guy in the Homer Simpson avatar forever because it's Banco's ghost at the feast. It's, it's, the, it's the remnant of whatever sliver of, of, of a sense of virtue or, or political purpose or idealism you ever had echoing in your ears. And nothing will blot it out except for continually reasserting your own virtue and rightness and wisdom. Because look at me. I, I, I have my own polling operation where I ask people who's the most intersectional Eminem. And they have to they have to keep banging that gong just to drown out the sound of their own dying conscience. Uh, But there is one other element to it. There's one other thing that goes into it, I think. And it is and this is where it actually is pitched to the people it's supposed to, who obviously are not going to read it and agree with it. They're going to read it and get mad about it or not even read it and just post and own about it it's to maintain the facade that there still is an argument to be had within the democratic party, that there still is a live conflict and that you should redouble your efforts along those lines. Uh, and it, it masks the the greater truth, which is that the war at that point right now for the democratic party is over. And, 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 uh, and so effort along those lines at, at, at the level of like presidential election electoral politics is basically pointless. Like, This election, the presidential election, is one in which there is no left-wing agency. There is no agenda. There is no leverage point. Uh, And I think a lot of people have decided one way or another that one of the ways they're going to cope with the powerlessness they feel is by convincing themselves that there is some way to vote in this election that will own somebody that they don't like. Like, we're not going to get anything other than choking on more uh, forest uh, fire smoke and and boiling and more seawater and and more uh, austerity realistically in the short term that's all we're going to get and that's certainly all we're going to get no matter who gets elected in this in november uh but there's someone who can get owned and so you've got people who've decided that not voting is going to be their way to own the democrats or voting for trump is going to own the democrats And the fact is is that since there's no coordination here, and every vote is an individual act of of alienation one way or the other, that there can be no ownage. We're all owned. We're owned now. We've been owned. We will be owned in the future. That might change, but what's going to change it is not going to have anything to do with the individual choice of an individual person to vote any way in this election. And I think that a lot of people, regardless of their of their uh, ideology, are horrified by that because then what? And uh, I don't know. But I do know that the beginning, the, the first thing, is sitting with that for a while. Sit with the impotence. Sit with the inability to uh, exercise influence over this process. And then think forward. Instead of creating more and more Baroque fantasies whereby your specific vote will turn the tide and own someone's, Because you can say, imagine if Trump got reelected, wouldn't that own the libs? Yeah, they'd be pretty fucking owned. I mean, in the sense that they would feel, uh, they'd get very mad and they would, they would, but they would just, it wouldn't change anything. And more importantly, your choice to vote for Trump, even in a swim state is one person, because remember, this is all about one person. All these, we, we get this fantasy when people talk about voting that because it's like being transmitted to an audience, a broad audience that then hypothetically that, that 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 transfers into a a meaningful block no it's individual people individually consuming media and then making an individual choice to vote based off of that and other things which is uncoordinated which is uh which has no of the well, none of the power of like a class based self-conscious project and as such cannot own anyone all you can do is own yourself which is all we're doing we're all owning ourselves while thinking we're owning other people. And that's the, the the promise that we have been given in the political sphere is nothing's going to get better, but you can own, you can own people you hate. And the thing is you can f- believe you are, but you're not, you really aren't. We're, we're that spite is even, even the spite is illusory. Everyone's getting owned by the conditions that continue to deteriorate, uh, and, and our inability to articulate any opposition to them. Uh, our individual decision to vote, and then what like tweet our ballot at someone uh is just pissing in the wind in terms of ownage I would like to uh say also that I found some cool uh cards here in the Gulf War trading set we have that I hadn't seen before well my one of my favorite ones is this one it's in it's from the intelligence file part and it says chemical biological warfare which if you had to pick any card out of this deck that I've gone through so far, and we've opened about six six decks, so there's like 60 cards out here. This is this is the, like when you're playing tarot, this is the uh, death card or whatever. You know, this is the one that signals uh, a, a change in the tone because this is the one that will be, this is the card that, that George W. played to get us back into the war. I mean, they use the term WMD to create this fantasy of, you know, a nuclear threat from Iraq, which was never real, never even close to being real. The, the only things they had that were beyond conjecture or outright lies, like the the aluminum tubes and the uh, Nigerian yellow cake was Saddam's old chemical and biological weapons programs, which were real and which were destroyed mostly uh, after the Persian Gulf war. But they were those, those uh, the evidence for those was resurrected added to the shit about the fake nuclear threat and turned into WMD. So this is the card that starts. This is if, if, if George W. Bush getting us to Iraq is like a, is, is a uh, game of Pokemon. Uh, this is the card he throws down to begin the match. But listen to the, what it says on the back of this card, which was published in 1991. Chemical and biological weapons are frightening but overrated threats to military personnel many factors including wind humidity and temperature have a large impact on the effectiveness of these weapons the training and equipment of today's fighting forces further reduce the threat of chemical and biological agents national policy uh, yeah it's like they're like eh, don't worry about them yeah yeah they got some mustard gas but it's mustard gas then in 2002 mustard gas is no they're going to put it on a fucking uh on a cessna and and go over central park during uh during uh a Paul McCartney concert and kill everybody. The other one I like here though is, uh, from that military skill moon phases, (laughs) which I was really hoping would be about the way that they harness, you know, the power of, uh, of astrology to determine, uh, our military tactics. But no, apparently it's because moon phases factor heavily in the military operations for operation desert storm. Coalition forces had a decided advantage in darkness because of their night vision equipment, which I mean they were fight they were fighting a blind opponent. Congratulations, way, way to kick their ass to capitalize further on this asset, both the air war and the ground war began during times of little moonlight. The phases of the moon from new moon to full moon are caused by the spatial relationship of the sun, the earth, and the moon. <coughs> I really love it when they give you the little uh, extra info there at the end and then Another one of my favorites, military asset, bombs. Just bombs. Bombs are usually categorized as being one of three major types. General purpose bombs typically weigh from 500 to 2,000 pounds and can penetrate up to 11 feet of concrete. Guided bomb units glide towards their targets using laser, infrared, or electro-optical guidance systems. Cluster bomb units are loaded with many small submunitions that disperse over great distances, exploding immediately or lying dormant as mines. By the way, cluster bombs are a war crime, and there's been many attempts to ban them internationally from use in, uh, uh, in warfare. Uh, and we stop it all the time because it's a key component of our military doctrine. Is no, no, we need to have the capacity to just drop a big canister over a neighborhood and have a tiny, a bunch of tiny plastic, brightly colored little widgets just flutter to ground so that anybody can pick one up and blow up it's key if we don't have that if we don't do that the fucking iraqis will be uh crossing the potomac and dinghies we have to do it we got any questions over there chris
0: uh let's Are we see good yet hello everybody um I will say that your mention of intersect, which Eminem is the inter- intersectional, uh, I enjoyed that it spawned a good five minutes of debate among that within the, uh, within the chat. All right. I'm interested
1: to know what they came down on. Uh,
0: there are a lot of different opinions. I, I wasn't tracking all of them, but I was uh, enjoying the conversation there. Um, but yeah, if you want to throw some questions in here, uh, we can, we can, I'll read them out. I mean, is it the lady Eminem or is she
1: not intersectional? Because well, there
0: are she, two lady it, right? Are there? I think the green and the green brown one is the lady, both? but I
1: thought she was the only one.
0: Um, this is a good question just because I would notice or a good comment just because I noticed you singing it the other day, which is the best Titus Andronicus album, a uh, local business, one of the best openings tracks from any album ever. Yeah. I
1: got to go local business, uh, actually, Homo. Yeah. Love etchy Homo.
0: Um, a little on this i see somebody maybe because this might also send you off on a rant uh, i saw somebody posting this several times did you see the spug turtle tech turtleneck wearing tiktok lady yelling about voting today i
1: did see i mean she's been on there for a while i really enjoy that because it i couldn't even watch the whole thing and the bit is that she's like yelling at a child right she's like a fictional child basically well can we play it because I've never, uh, actually, I never actually watched it.
0: Uh, I could play it for the chat, but I don't think you could hear it. All right.
1: I'm going to put it on my computer. All right. Let's see if I can put my hand up. computer, as it's called. Because I actually, the, like, the thing is, these kind of things I actually avoid watching because they're upsetting and I don't like them. Uh, and the, the, her face is very upsetting to me and I don't like it. So her voice sounded very unpleasant and I didn't like that either. So let me see if I can find it.
0: Uh, I don't want to go searching on Twitter uh, that much. But if you uh, if you can, if somebody can DM me the link to it, uh, I could probably play it off off this pretty quickly. Oh, here it is. I found her. All right. Great.
1: awesome that's like i thought it was she was yelling at them like their children and the thing that really hit me about that is i don't have children but isn't it universally understood that when you say that to your kids like hey you know what uh maybe we'll see maybe later that you're just you're just stringing them along and you don't actually ever plan on doing the thing you just want them to shut up long enough to like get out of the arby's or something <laughs> yes like that's that's why you say that to your kids, right? You say, hey, maybe later we'll talk about it. Like it's, so she's already like embedded in it, contempt for even the objection. As in, like I am tr- pretending that I'm taking this seriously, but I'm actually not taking it seriously. And I think that it is, the, it is the demand of a child. It's the demand of a child to go to McDonald's instead of go eating the food we have at home. Uh, which, you know, you can think that, but it it seems pretty short sighted because if you really think that things would be any different, really, if we had a republic, Democrat and po- power, you don't, you don't think the West coast would be on fire. You don't think we'd have coronavirus everywhere. Then I really don't know what to tell you. It's like, oh, fine. You're living in a fantasy world, but we don't have to, the thing, the main thing is, this is where the grill pill income is, is that the beauty part of like understanding how limited your power over this situation is is that you don't have to get as crazy as she is. You don't have to get as insane as she is screaming about fascism. As if we really had a fascist in power, you could vote against him. <laughs> like if Trump was run, like a fascist is president in this cosmology, and yet we're also having an election whose outcome is in doubt that we could potentially win against fascism? How does that? When has fascism ever been... Uh, Have ever acceded to being removed from power through democratic means. So it's like, you don't have to take this shit seriously. She's convincing herself. And that's the main thing about liberals. And that's why they're panicking. And this is all, all this shit is panic because they think Biden might lose. They think they backed the, the strong steady horse. Oh no, he had dementia the whole time. Who could have told you Uh, is that they, they can only talk to each other. They can only, speak in the language that has convinced them of where they are. And that is the language of of duty. That's the language of you have to vote because voting is a personal moral act of virtue. That's the liberal conception of it. And so you are morally obligated to vote against the fascist. But if you don't accept that premise, or even if you do, but you it leads you to another uh conclusion, they cannot speak. All they could do is, what she did, scream at people like they're children, turn into a mega Karen because there is no, that uh, they can't even get out of their own head that much because, because to get out of that headspace would require questioning foundational like super structures of their, uh, of their mental architecture that cannot be questioned, that, that are load-bearing. And, and if, because if mo- voting isn't a moral, virtuous, you know, personal, sacred act that, that like codifies your uh, political identity and your personal virtue, then what the hell is it? And what the hell are you doing? And those are questions they have no answer for. So they can't even speak beyond their own bubble. All they can do is yell. And then I think the proper response is to be like, okay, that's, that's nice. You, you clearly are having a tough day. Uh, I hope you have a better one. And then just paying it no mind.
0: Uh, the 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 invocation of fascist also as some kind of like magic word or spell that like because I've seen other like more liberal friends of mine do this is like as it's as if it's a trump card or as we were talking about earlier in Yu-Gi-Oh! games a trap card <laughs> uh, that like by 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 labeling something fascist it's you know it's that that classic internet rule that you can't. Uh, you know, once you call something Hitler, there's nothing further that you can go. If you just make it clear that he is the magic word fascist, then there's no argument against it. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's often deployed in this, this kind of um, panicked way that you're talking about, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's all they have is they just, they just press the button and, and go crazy with it, which is why I think on the left, people should be careful of the fascism. It's the same. Like I, it's amazing. Like a lot of people understood instinctively that even if like there's a kernel of truth to Russiagate. Like the kernel of truth being that Donald Trump was making most of his money by the end of his uh, time before running for president as a front man for money laundering from like Russian oligarchs and, and mob figures like, and through Deutsche Bank, like that's pretty clear. And so that there is a question of you know a uh, corrupt compromise there, uh, which is a real thing. But considering the context, and the way that it was used, there's no use talking about it. It was a non-starter, and it was not something to be engaged with. But a lot of those people are—they think yes, but this fascism stuff, this is different. This is real, and I think it's because it gets at a more basal, like, emotive uh, uh, point, and it gets them—it gets them riled up, which people want out of politics, you know, because it is mostly a spectacle for everybody, even people on the left. But these are the people who are really grabbing that with both hands—the fascist notion, because it 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 more than anything right now drowns out any other considerations but getting him out of office, which you know it doesn't matter either way from an individual perspective, but if that's what you're focusing on, it clouds your ability to to direct your own actions and it makes you a hostage to people like this with her awful glasses and stupid turtleneck yelling at you
0: well, you know, I was thinking about this lately that you know. In, in by the is it, who is that umberto Eco who has the like the death yes of or fascism i was thinking about that in regards to uh you know the, the very clownish way that trump talks about antifa is both these these like bruisers who are going to break into your house and literally murder you but also these weak effete feet little they got little arms they got with the their, coats little, their little the cigarette alarms. arms like i could i bet i could smoke your arms dude mm-hmm. um and how, how how classic that is that the enemy both has to be overwhelming and uh, you know, completely beatable, yep. but in its own smug way, the, the fascist thing around the, the, the liberal revulsion to Trump is kind of similar. Cause he both has to be the most dangerous person who has ever occupied who, per, in in American history, the most dangerous figure in American history, who is also a ridiculous clown, who yeah. is not to be taken seriously, who you could vote out of office yeah. and he has to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that there there's a kind of liberal fascism there. I'm not, you know, uh, the dead Kennedy's talking about, uh, Jerry Brown, but I don't know. It's interesting that it goes both ways that, that bo- both sides have to see. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it's, it's,
1: it's in both cases it is, uh, and fascism, it's more, it's endemic because fascism is essentially irrational in it's appeal to people in it, in it's, in it's electoral, like in it's, in it's mass appeal. It is, it is like a, it is organized irrationality. Uh, but, with liberals too like there's an irrationality at the heart because there is because these people love facts they love being scientific they fucking love science they love the empirical observation they're not mystics like like the fascists are but they live in a world that does not comport in any way to what it should according to their analytical framework so they still have to create fantasies they still have to create uh, this unreason at the center of their political thinking and that means you have to have this constantly shifting enemy who is both overwhelmingly terrifying but beatable because if they aren't if they're one and not the other then they cannot be the focal point of your anxiety and your political energies they have to be both but realistically no things are you know uh uh, because these are just like these are antifa which is just a bunch of people they are not it's not even an organization it's just a bunch of people acting independently for the most part and he is just a a figurehead for you know this cabal of, of 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 like multi- level marketing crooks and ponzi schemers and, and like uh, uh, supplement salesmen who are like looting the government, uh, neither of them are actually responsible for any of the real horror that we're trying to deal with right now, but what is cannot be conceived of cannot be seen through the lacuna at the center of the site of either the liberal or the fascist or, or the proto fascist
0: or whatever you want to call them uh, Thank you those in chat who got my hundred gecks joke um, you're what? Uh, I made a hundred gex joke a while back. But, what is that? Uh they're a band. Uh huh. they have a song that refers to people being little piss babies with arms are like cigarettes. Um, by the way, if Trump was a complaining, he was making fun of the Antifa guys for their thin arms. The man
1: there no one in human has history has had less like muscle tone than this person. <laughs> I believe it was David Roth who said that after one of his he tweeted after one of his uh uh Physicals. He's like the doctor says. I've never seen anything like it before. You, he's he's all mer- the, he's made entirely of meringue.
0: <laughs> the boy is all egg. <laughs> I still contend that Trump has well-developed calf muscles from supporting hundred percent of his See, weight. That leaning, is true.
1: The uh, calves a have definition. Angle.
0: The calves have definition
1: because he does have to do the smooth criminal thing every time he's standing in front of an, a crowd. Yes, but his arms—they've got to just be he's got to have the windshield wiper of like flab right <laughs> like just a waddly wet cray papery skinned thing wafting fucking like puffs of baby powder <laughs> rising from it every time that it
0: slaps against his body um i bet the insides of his suits are entirely oh god from- yeah just powdered just <laughs>
1: powdered just like you saw the picture of him coming back from uh Oklahoma with the fucking makeup on the neck. Oh, yeah. Oh, like God. Just the inside, the, ja- the inside of the shirts and jacket are just white with baby powder.
0: Um, folks, uh, I don't have any way to play music out loud here. Next time we do one of these, I'll bring a portable speaker so I can irritate Matt with music. I also saw somebody else.
1: I love being irritated with music. That uh, sounds good.
0: I, I wanna, After you guys were talking about music videos on the, the top of the last episode, I want to have you guys on one of me and Molly's music video streams, and we'll just watch November Rain and stuff. I would love that. But, uh, I know you were talking about Travis Scott, your last few things. One thing that I do legitimately would love to show Matt on a stream. And I think people would get a lot out of is I would love to show you the Travis Scott documentary, uh, because it is one of the most insane things about over fan enthusiasm. Like these people are literally ripping themselves apart at, uh, Travis, uh, Travis Scott shows. It's, it's like a, um, you know, it, it's like a, it looks like a fucking white night, uh, or something. Uh, the moshing is out of control. And then you listen to Travis Scott song and it's like, I just woke up kind of late. I don't know what I'm going to do today. It's like, it's, it's bizarre. And I think that you would get a, get a kick out of it. His name's Jacques. Yeah. That's a cool name, right?
1: Travis is not a cool name. And apologies to Travis maybe in the chat, but I'm sorry. I only knew one Travis in elementary school and he, uh, he was one of those like grubby ginger kids. The ones who just kind of <laughs> seem dirty all the time. And he literally did eat out of the garbage can. That's Travis in my
0: mind. To why, you be clear, why would I would you pick I, that name? Uh, I do like Travis Scott, and Sicko Mode is a, a true banger, especially the Skrillex remix of Sicko Mode. That song whips. Is he the only guy, you could tell me this hmm. as a non boomer, is he the only
1: hip hopist rapper with just a guy's name as his rap name? Or is that a new
0: common thing? No, there, there are other guys like that. I'm not going to be able to think of one off the top of my head, but certainly a lot of guys go just with, with their uh, real name now. Uh, yeah, but that's not his
1: real name. Is. Like that would be one a, thing. If they, a want name. The, if they want the real name, that would be one thing. Yeah, Is he the only guy who's got a real guy's name that
0: isn't his as his rap name? Uh, there are a lot of suggestions in here. Uh, it depends. Do you consider Frank Ocean a real name? That's not his real name? I, I don't know. I don't believe so. I think we're going to get in a little weeds in this. Uh, yeah. Mike Jones, somebody suggesting Danny Brown. I don't know if these are these guys, real names. Uh, anyway, all I know is I don't understand these kids today. Uh, let's, if, unless there are any um, Virgil, <laughs> Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. That's his real name. Um, any other like actual questions other than just n- names of recording artists <laughs> uh, in the chat. Otherwise I would kind of let it want to talk about the thing that we, um, that we uh uh that we were talking about right before we started which is the 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 what it means what suburbs mean now yeah yeah cuz we were talking a little bit before we started about how you know we were just talking about the the Trump antifa stuff and how it's pitched at this suburban panic um over you know like poor people moving into the suburbs but the sub- suburbs are already depopulated in that way there,
1: uh, I mean, the, the inner-ring suburbs are now where poverty uh, is is moving into, and it's not because of uh, you know uh, deep state bureaucrats moving affordable housing to the suburbs. It's it's just it's tidal gravity uh, as 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 uh, the white children of the suburbs moved into the inner cities of our of our nation's uh, you know urban areas. It drove up costs significantly which meant people who live there had to move and they moved to the, uh, the inner ring suburbs, which are being emptied out by the movement of younger, like uh, cognitive, you know, uh, college educated white people, whatever to the cities, us. Uh, And then the parents to these uh, edge cities, the, 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 the even further like mega McMansion suburbs that are even farther away from urban areas. And the inner rig suburbs are now where poverty exists and is, as being, is being replicated. Uh, and Trump has no idea. And the funny thing is, is most of his voters aren't even aware of this. Like the real hardcore ones, the ones who are paying attention yeah, because this is all happening outside of anyone's notice because, because we're still like, we're still living with a conception of like the American electorate and the Ameri- and the like, the geographic and demographic distribution of Americans that is pre-2008. You know? Yeah. We, we, like the, there, there was a significant and, and sharp and massive collapse that happened uh, around housing that has never really been, that changed the face of America in a way that is only deepening with time, but has not been reckoned with in any real
0: way because neither party wants to act like it happened. Yeah, and we were talking about it also in the fact of like how much of politics is basically based around protecting people's like property values. Yeah. And that's like again where the anti-fa thing comes from or just like how people respond to like taxes and like wealth management through vis-a-vis the state. But the funny thing is as people collect themselves in these giant expensive houses that they bought for cheap and now there've been all these slew of articles about how nobody can actually buy them from them. If nobody can buy your property, then your property value is zero, dude. Yeah, seriously. Like these people have have totally
1: fixated their politics around protecting their property values at all costs. And what that has ended up doing is contributing to a political economy where no young people have any fucking money. And they're all still convinced that it's because they're spending too much money frivolously on, you know, like uh, chocolate malteds at the soda shop or whatever, or mink stoles to wear to the college football game where you wave a pennant that says college on it and drive around (laughs) in a fucking Stanley steamer or ride on a bicycle built for four with two of your fourth form chums and and cable net sweaters and a a young sweetie but in reality uh, no there's no money to be had everyone is saddled with wild amounts of debt if they went to college if they avoided college their job they have likely or the jobs they have more likely uh, are not even ever going to come close to providing them with the savings that they could take to even think of uh putting down a down payment and and they're just sitting these old people are sitting on this housing stock just being like yep i'm gonna sell this one day and move to a cute little condo and just spend my retirement uh zipping around on my fucking ski do it's like you're all in for a massively rude awakening and and it's one that there's no force in american politics that has any ability to uh confront
0: All right, this goes this is from a second ago, but this goes back to the, the previous conversation. Um uh, uh, what do liberals even think fascism is and how should we conceive of it differently?
1: Uh well liberals think of fascism because you know liberalism is now about manners and about affect because it cannot be about material conditions because it's insufficient to the moment and if it ever actually has to confront the moment, it will be aware of that insufficiency so it has to maintain this this aesthetic of uh, fixation uh it's it's all the bad stuff that the united states does as a matter of course but when republicans do it and specifically now when trump does it because he does it in a way that offends their aesthetic sensibilities uh and i think that like I give credit. To a lot of the people on the left who focus on fascism, they, they don't think of it as so much in terms of Trump. They think of it in terms of, you know, insurgent or of like police violence, uh, authoritarianism, uh, rising right wing, you know, uh, mobilization uh, among like paramilitaries or whatever. Uh, but I think for whatever truth there is to that, it, it obscures the greater truth that, that the political sphere doesn't exist to, to necessitate or, uh, uh, or encourage and acculturate a fascist political culture. Uh, what, we get in, we're gonna, what we're getting instead is a depoliticized space where politics is pure spectacle, where politics is not like wrestled over in the streets. It is, uh, the battle is simulated, simulated everywhere, simulated online, even simulated by people shooting each other. In the streets, because even there, there is nothing like the sort of mobilized, organized violence you saw in interwar Germany, for example, between the Red Front fighters and the, and the stormtroopers. It it's atomized political violence, and that's because it's an atomized political culture, and that violence might int- uh, intensify, and I think it likely will, Uh, But it will not intensify, I don't think, to some sort of seizure of power by a broad-based fascist movement. It will most likely just accompany a slow and steady dissolution of the uh, concept of politics and the replacement of it with a regime of just naked market coercion that using technology and surveillance to replace political, uh, political participation or coercion.
0: Got any other good cards?
1: I'm looking through. All
0: right, I've got, I got a Schwartzkopf card. Oh, that that's, that himself, must be rare. The
1: man himself. I think does his because the guy who presided over the uh, the uh, Lindbergh baby case was also named Schwartzkopf, and I always wonder if they were related. Uh, I think I they d- were actually. I someone d- can confirm that or not. Yeah, because he was from New Jersey, and uh, and the the Lindberghs lived in New Jersey, so I think he was like the son or grandson of the guy who was in charge of the Lindbergh case.
0: Uh, Somebody in chat says it was his father. It
1: was his dad, yeah. By the way, Schwarzkopf, fantastic German name. Blackhead. His name means blackhead. His name means disgusting thing on your face. After graduating, Norman, after graduation, I like it just says graduation. It doesn't say from, well, I guess you'd say West Point. I mean, pretty, pretty clearly. After graduation, Norman Schwarzkopf was commissioned second lieutenant in the infantry. He commanded, he had commanded two combat tours in Vietnam and was designated deputy commander of the joint task force in charge of U.S. forces participating in the Granada rescue operation. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That was a, we were rescuing those uh, fucking uh, med students, (laughs) all of whom were shit faced and had no idea what was happening. He served as Army Operations Deputy for the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations and Plans at the U.S. Army's headquarters. Schwarzkopf's the kind of guy who could have turned that into a, into a political career the way that Colin Powell did, but he didn't. He didn't seem to have any interest in it. It's interesting. I wonder if it was just like he, was, he, was, he tried and failed or if he just does something that didn't,
0: that didn't trigger him. Uh, he, was, he was too handsome of a general. He, I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of... He he well, they, he, that was enough for him. Sometimes that's enough for people
1: yes uh he kind of looks like alex jones honestly (laughs) he's got the same kind of round face shape and and red coloring and the same balding
0: pattern too um i also want while we're on the the top of the cards this is from way back uh in the chat but i want to uh shout out the person who got the chapos by uh, magic the gathering colors right in one shot matt is indeed green virgil is blue felix is red will is white and amber is black Okay, that is, I need. That is, I can confirm that that is the correct Magic: The Gathering. Along,
1: I had a my, my best friend in high school was a huge Magic: The Gathering fan. He had a giant collection of cards, uh, but I could never understand it, and
0: it made my head hurt. Why am I green? Uh, it's the it's the forest color. Uh, a lot of large, powerful creatures. It's earthy spells, stuff like that. Okay, I get it. A lot of creatures with trample, which I feel like is an attribute that uh that Matt would have. Well,
1: I mean, I did the I did that Instagram thing where you find out who directed your movie last night, and the first one I got was Miyazaki, which I was not too happy with because I am no anime, strictly no anime, and I know oh he's not anime, it's Japanese, it's animation, it's anime. Uh, but apparently, Princess Mononoke has a lot of forest creatures in it. Yes. So I could be I could be one of the I could I could be like the forest army from Mononoke.
0: <laughs> I feel like you would vibe with uh, Miyazaki. Uh, I, was, I was watching a, a, a mini, mini Miyazaki uh, run. I gotta uh, wonder, what is, uh, or,
1: <laughs> what is the black? I know, I, when you said amber is the black deck, I'm it's like, like, of course, but what s- is that? S-
0: it's the color of uh, swamps, is, is their land. It's like all the like evil uh, creatures, you know, like Dracula, zombies, <laughs> stuff like that. She would agree completely with that. Yeah. Um, things like that. What's uh, Felix? Uh, red mountains, fire. Uh, you know, yeah, like
1: like a Zoroastrian. Yeah, yeah.
0: And if any, anybody was asking my color, I am the artifacts. <laughs> what are those? Uh, That's like a, a non-color based, like artificial <laughs> creatures and items, little gadgets and doohickeys. What was the Virgil one? Uh, blue island swamps. I didn't know we would be getting this this into it. I'm interested. Um, I'm sorry.
1: Because it's a thing I watched a lot of but could never get my head around. I could never figure out card-based
0: gaming. Um, it's, it's, it's a bad effect to have. Um, if you're going to go with the Wizards of the Coast property, uh, go, just go with D&D. You only have to buy the books once. With Magic, you have to continually buy all the cards, and it's honestly a huge scam for 13-year-olds. No, all the card-based games
1: just, just seem to be uh, like essentially nicotine for children.
0: Yes, exactly. Cardboard crack. Yeah. I, that's what they called it when I was like 12 or whatever. Uh, all right, let's get, a, let's get a real question. Oh, I saw this. I, I was watching your, um, your stream with Bryn from Beep Beep Lettuce the other night, uh, yes. which I thought was uh, nice, and ta- you ended up talking a lot about um, orgs, the value of orgs, but it started- We love orgs, don't we, folks? With a co- conversation around, as she called it, being CIA-pilled, Yeah, and, which I know that you've been talking about a little, and, and the, value, the values and limitations of believing everything is an op. Yes. So this person's question was, Matt, how- uh, and I would add, or even is it possible? can the left harness the power of conspiracy theory, or is it even worth it to try uh,
1: i i've been i 'm back and forth on this question, and my my main sticking point with conspiracy theory is that conspiracy theory is is it 's seductive because it provides something that traditional politics is difficult, uh, often can 't and which like left wing materialist politics specifically has a very difficult time with which is creating narratives which is creating a simple uh, almost cinematic narrative of why things are bad in the world uh who is responsible and what it suggests is what is to be done with them and the thing about the conspiracy mindset that that i think is a problem for the left is as a like potential uh you um you know avenue of of uh of radicalization is that the narrative of the conspiracy ends with revelation and then, uh, justice, right? Like there's, we have a system and it is not the system that produces bad results. It is people embedded within it. And realistically, then the only way to defeat them would be to have them be named publicly, proven responsible, and then punished. And I just, I don't think there is any effective way of, getting across the reality of our crisis and, and, the, and, the, and what is needed to defeat it that can comport with that, that narrative inertia of the, of the conspiracy mindset, which, which, which ends with, with the bad guys getting revealed. And it really isn't about bad guys. At the end of the day, it's about institutions reproducing themselves. It's about an algorithm. It's about an algorithm of capitalist profit extraction that is now thanks to technology almost free of human interference like like the silicon valley like they operate off of they they have created a mechanism for imbuing every facet of our lives with conditioning to turn us into profit maximizing nodes without our consent or even knowledge and without the need for anybody to be in a room and plan it out, the algorithm is already written into the code and it, and it then writes over our lives and writes over our institutions and writes over our destinies. And it's only by replacing that code that we're going to have any chance of uh, breaking out of, of this you know, self-defeating uh, uh, scramble for, for dwindling resources. Uh, but it doesn't involve any grand justice. There's, no, there's not going to be any any uh, tribunals for the deep state pedos. I mean, there might be tribunals. There might be people going to jail if you had some sort of revolution. But but they will never be the point of it. And, and replacing them will never su- be uh, sufficient
0: to see justice done. You know, I was thinking about that also kind of recently that that might be – in my mind, maybe one of the things that makes people go most insane is the com- – and see conspiratorially is the kind of complete breakdown of consequences. Yeah, in the, in the highest level of society.
1: Yeah, that's why QAnon is like, no, this is happening behind closed doors. The the, the, the Chrissy Teigen has already been ex- executed.
0: Yeah, I mean that is that does seem like the major innovation of QAnon is that the, that the prophecy is already being fulfilled, has been fulfilled, and you don't. Yes. you and just it, can't see it,
1: but you can you can divine it from the entrails. Yes. And that's the participation is that justice is being done. And if you want to experience the sense of, you know, of, uh, catharsis and security that comes with knowing that justice is done, you merely have to correctly scry through the, the, the signs, uh, and, and, and then you will have catharsis and you will have justice. And that's purely illusory. It's all a fantasy. And any anything based on that that level of uh, of you know of of political action will always end up in a cul de sac of fantasy.
0: Uh, what else? Let's see. I'm scrolling back here. Uh, I like the person who posted. Who are your bad guys? (laughs) Who are my bad
1: guys? (laughs) (laughs) Who? Uh, well, you know, Alan Dulles, you know, the yeah. originator. We love him. Uh, one of the best. Uh, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, you know, uh, an absolute king. Um, Bill Casey, shout out. Uh, Lucio Gelli. We, we love to see him.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh Hey, let's let's get some questions in chat. Let's get some new topics. Uh one of these cards I have is Arabic language. <laughs> did you did you explain the Canadian national anthem one on on screen? I think I did. Yes, which I thought was very funny. It's very funny. I mean they, it just seems that they're they're reaching a little bit. I mean, they've I got they clearly they they they
1: they're they got over uh ambitious with with the deck concept clearly. Because the war really was just this Potemkin. It was basically a a demo. It was just a war. It was, we just said, Hey, the U S is going to have a military demo in the, in the Middle East to show off our capacity and our unchallenged status as world hegemon. Now that the Soviets are gone, uh, you want to watch or you want to participate, uh, come and come and check it out. Uh, and they had to make this, Huge deck of cards over what inevitably what would, would boil down to a PR exercise. So uh, they're going to have to scramble a lot. That's why they have a card for Canadian government uh, and Canadian national anthem. I also think they have one for the Mounties in here too.
0: But I got uh, how many Mounties were deployed? In Gulf how City? many Mounties were deployed? I would like to know. Um. I, somebody has been posting a lot about, uh, reading before the storm on your, uh, recommendation. Oh yeah. The
1: first Pearlstein book.
0: Uh, wondered if there's any, uh, thoughts on before the storm. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's,
1: it's the one that has the least, uh, like personality hook because Goldwater is such a boring guy. Like Reagan was boring, but his vacuity was kind of interesting because he was such an empty vessel. Goldwater was very uncomplicated. He was just he was a fucking him. He was a himbo basically. He was a he he inherited a, a department store from his family in Arizona. And he was like, yeah, this is great. Why can't everyone just uh, chill out and have a, uh, have a family-owned business and stop bothering me about it? <laughs> uh, and he got dragged into the president. He was essentially drafted in 64 by the, like, the activist right wing of the party. He did not really seek the nomination, which is very rare. By, by that point, almost the only people who were running for president were absolute ambition psychos who, who wanted it more than anything. Goldwater kind of had to be pulled uh, reluctantly into it. Uh and the funniest thing also is that you know he was this huge you know he was thought of as this uh firebrand of the new right you know and he famously said in his acceptance speech at the convention uh in San Francisco at the at the Cow Palace uh <laughs> extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice but he was also an incredibly boring uncharismatic speaker and he would go to these rallies filled with young right wing exuberants and y a f guys and and you know people hooting and hollering and 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 he would show up, and he would just start reading off of his prepared remarks, and the fucking the energy would just slowly fall out of the room, and everyone would just sort of get bored he just he had no he didn't have it <laughs>
0: I just like the phrasing of this question. I don't even know if it's worth talking about, but uh could Q create an American Sulla? <laughs> Actually, that's not a terrible question
1: because if we're if we accept and I think this is a an accept this is a, an unarguable premise that the only institution with any kind of durable legitimacy in America is the US military. Now, you can argue that the US military isn't as powerful as it seems because they do spend a lot of money on uh, just laundering and and and, uh and column padding and and graft and like uh, a lot of it is 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 Potemkin military power uh and it's just sort of we're coasting on our you know our reputation and our like military footprint and just how much money we spend how much of the like global capital goes to our military uh that that's like a dominant position so like if we ever had to use it that's a there's that's still a question mark but I think domestically it could absolutely be used it certainly has more uh you know uh legitimacy uh and and an infrastructure within the country that it could in a time of crisis be something that is the spear point of a you know a military uh intervention in and sublimation of the political process and if that happens, all you need is a few people at the top of the military hierarchy who have absorbed q and I don't think that that's, hap- that's, that that's now happening because the thing about the military officer corps is that they are almost exclusively guys who, say it with me, went to college. They went to college. They absorbed a lot of the niceties and like the the, uh, the norms of uh, our system. Not all of them. Like Michael Flynn is a genuine wacko. And there are plenty of like that guy uh, Boykin, Jerry Boykin was a crazy person. But They are not a majority at the very top of the military hierarchy, but that could absolutely change as the composition of the military changes with time as the people as the only people like if the only people who are moving their way through the ranks are people who are motivated by a belief in this transcendent Q based millennial fantasy, then they're going to like these people running for office who are going to now be in Congress Like they, they will, it's not like those people who are now going to be in Congress, they're not going to be disabused from Q being real by their, their, by their coworkers. You know what I mean? And that's a similar function thing that could happen in the military. Uh, And then if you have enough of a crisis and the right people are in power, uh, you might have yourself a Q based military dictatorship in this country, or at least in some part of this country where like uh, the writ could be uh, uh, enforced but it's certainly it's certainly in the deck of possible outcomes. So
0: that's fun. It's I know we've commented on it many times, but it's very I'm really hoping that in the next Congress, somebody um, reads some Q shit into congressional records.
1: We're going to have it. We're going to have it for sure. Cause we're we have two Q people who are basically locked in and the one in Georgia, her opponent dropped out of the race. So she is unopposed now. So she's already in, uh, and, the in Delaware, uh, RIP, Janice fucking crooks in Delaware. It's, it really is showing cause they had good, they had good in Delaware. They had good results at the lower level, but it, it's, it's, the, the commanding heights of politics within a state or in the nation are still, uh, it's without, it's beyond the organizational capacity of the left, I think to really have any hope of, influencing these outcomes which i think i mean we didn't know that for sure but i think now the evidence is pretty clear but her uh coons chris coons opponent is a q person she she won the republican primary she's also
0: a flat earther
1: yes which is so funny because there was so like i'm sure the one of the big reasons coons was able to hold up that uh get that majority was scaring people about oh we don't want a republican in there and i mean even i don't think in delaware they're ready for a q person and yet uh uh, against you know a a bog standard like social democrat i think that the social democrat would win in delaware but we don't have to see it now uh, and apparently it's because like we've seen in a lot of these primaries a big surge in voting amongst rich suburbanites and there's a lot of people who have kind of convinced themselves that biden's gonna lose because his campaign is terrible and it's very much like hillary's campaign in 2016 and that's true but there's another thing happening, and that is you've seen it all throughout primaries in the last two years, and even since COVID, is a big surge in democratic voting and democratic primaries among these wealthier suburbanites who generally either tip Republican or are more balanced between the two parties. And if that holds into September if that holds into November, Biden's going to win comfortably.
0: That that I was also I think Weigel was tweeting about that yeah uh, the uh, the other day and that does seem to be the major story of the last two years is that it is a a uh, uh the the electorate is is reactionary old people from both sides you're either like towards the right end of liberal or the writer end of right fighting about whether woodstock was good
1: yeah that's all it is and they are they have they do not vote based on material interests because they're either secured or they believe that they cannot be or shouldn't be interfered with by the government one way or the other. And it, it's just pure cultural war fight. And there's no, there's no good news about Biden winning with that coalition because it will guarantee the hunger chancellorship that we're afraid of. It's going to guarantee the austerity depression off presidency that we're, that we're dreading. Uh, but I think a lot of people think Biden will lose because he deserves to lose. But I really think that we should have absorbed by now the reality that, as Clint Eastwood said it unforgiven deserves got nothing to do with it. (laughs) You know, like his appeal might seem baffling and horrible to, to us, but if it is reassuring to enough suburban whites who make up the majority of voters in this country in places
0: that matter anyway, then he's going to win. Uh, I was re listening to it because I put it in the episode Monday, but his, uh, his quote about having no empathy for the young people. <laughs> it's so awesome. No it, empathy. It's it, them it, kids. But the real <laughs> thing, the real thing that was, that made me actually fume is the thing that he says after that, the thing about, I have no empathy for them complaining because the, the thing that he follows it up with is when we were that age, we, we went out there and changed things for the better. And I'm like, what are you, what are you taking? What are you taking credit for here? The civil rights movement. Well, that's the boomer thing. That's the boomer sleight of hand. Right? Is
1: that no matter what they did, particularly, and Biden, what he did was as a tw- as a fucking uh, as a twenty nine year old was uh, go in the Senate as a new Democrat opposed to uh, busing. That was his actual thing. Right. It was like uh, channeling. Demo- he was a Democrat who was channeling the the alienation and disillusionment dis- uh, with the Republican corruption but not embracing any of the scary racial stuff that was at the leading edge of like the left movement, mm-hmm. uh, like being the, being the sensible Democrat. That was his pitch. And then being in office and like fighting, se- fighting integration and, uh, and becoming wall street's uh, best friend from the beginning and, and just carrying water for, uh, for the fire sector, his entire fucking career. But all this other stuff happened, like civil rights happened also. You know, uh, the yeah. war in Vietnam was ended also. And for a lot of these fucking old people, they have decided, yeah, we did that. Yeah. We did that collectively. And I am part of that. We, even though I personally was just a, uh, a grasping shitty little fucking ward healer looking to pat my own goddamn fucking nest, which is all he's ever been.
0: Or taking, so- taking credit for like what? Like great society programs that they've then spent the next 50 years trying to undermine and, yeah. and, and take apart. And by
1: the time he took office, they were already doing that. He wasn't. He was only there for the dismantling part. He wasn't even there for the building of it part.
0: Uh, anyway, that really infuriated me. the The second part of that. <laughs> that
1: yeah, well, point. that's how they're able to justify their position of just sitting on uh, sitting on this home stock, thinking that it's going to turn them into millionaires because they have it coming. Because look at all the stuff we did. We went on the moon. No, you fucking didn't. You 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 smoked ditchweed in a fucking conversion van. Fuck off. You didn't uh, go anywhere.
0: You skipped your skipped your college graduation to see the Rolling Stones, like my <laughs> mom did, which is actually that's actually cool. That is very cool. I would have done the same thing. Uh, let's see. All right, let's. We're coming up right at an hour. Let's do a fun one. You know, something yeah. About uh, more more questions about TV or food. Um, what, you know. What's oh man, I'm
1: hungry again. By the way, last couple, last couple you've seen. Yeah, last couple. I I'm mean, I'm, I'm doing this before dinner, and I just start r- having reveries about foodstuffs. I am now, Chris, I am now, I am now subscribed to a dipping sauce.
0: Oh, you are? Yes. Is it that, that, that Korean sauce? Yes. I went to buy more of
1: it. What happened is I went on Amazon to buy more of it.
0: And it had the little subscribe. It had the
1: subscribe thing. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, yes, this is my thing. This is my sauce now. So, uh, I am now subscribed to a dipping sauce, which means that I, uh, you could kill me, uh, and it would not be a crime. At least not morally, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Uh, I will say that I um, am, Molly and I were talking last night, and we are um, committed to getting the Cactus Jack meal sometime this weekend. We're going to go do it. Oh, Um, man.
1: Let me know if you're going. If I'm available, I'd like to go, too. Are there any
0: cartoons that Matt and Chris recommend? As far as I know, Matt only likes one cartoon. Ricky Morty. Ricky Morty, which is good. I, of course, recommend The Venture Brothers, one of the greatest tv series is uh,
1: very uh, by the way my condolences that they cancel it
0: it's it's very bad but i think i bet it's going to come back somehow
1: and also oh I'm yeah just, no nothing goes away anymore now if it's if it's any kind of ip that has any sort of any sort of impression with any even the micro niche there will be a place for it honestly because new stuff is done for
0: honestly the venture brothers is also so beloved by its fan base they could start a patreon to just make a new season <laughs> and they would fund it in, in well, like a flip
1: book that yeah, they mail like in for well, no just
0: do the it's just like two guys who make it they could just, I'm sure that the budget of that thing could be raised by its fans. Yeah,
1: but it's not, it, isn't it hand, it's the handmade though. It's not like a, car, it's not like a computer no, animation.
0: It's, it's, it's traditionally animated. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, that's, that's where the money's going to go in. Yeah. Because you have to hire people to fucking draw but those also, little guys.
0: Also, uh, long, good looking shows. Uh, I was just watching some Futurama episodes uh, the other day and um reminded that that show rips.
1: That Futurama had, had a peak there where it was really good for a bit. But uh, then it came back, and it was pretty much just bad.
0: Okay, another thing that they should – that may, can we bring back from the dead just turned it into a fucking zombie version. No, itself. no, no, no,
1: no. One of the – I think one of the movies they made was okay. I remember liking one the, of the I movies. I think the
0: first one was good. Yeah, the like first one okay. was
1: good. But I could have
0: just been blinded by my soy my, my soy. I think that's part of it bad. is we had a soy-based
1: uh, excitement about more Futurama, and we kind of convinced ourselves it was better than it was. But then the subsequent ones were all terrible, and yep. then the next – and then the new show was – dreadful yes leave things d- as uh, as as fred gwynn said in pet cemetery sometimes dead is better
0: uh let's see um i have not seen corporate but i went to college with the guy who makes it shout out pat bishop he's a good guy um uh i would like to see corporate um the I show heard, yeah i've heard, I heard it was pretty good yeah
1: I really want a TC Tugger. Yeah. That's, that's one of those products that I saw it's like, yeah, that's a joke, but I could go for one of those. Uh
0: that's a little knob right here. Do you do you now know the name of the sauce that you'd subscribe to? It's like
1: CJ's CJ's is the name of like the brand. CJ apostrophe, S. And that's like B bimbop sauce or something like that. It's very good. Or it's Goju It's a Goju sauce, but it's like it's got ketchup consistency. It's and they, really and the brand
0: is at CJ's. Yeah. All right, let, let's end on this because I know you have uh, you have some thoughts about how Hollywood does its business. Mm. Uh, oh, brother, do I ever! Uh, the the question is phrased is like, how does the pandemic transform the current Hollywood model? Uh, can the studios justify huge budget for something that will only be streaming? Blah blah. blah, blah? Like basically, do, do you see this as an actual? Do you think this is going to be an actual inflection point? Uh, I don't think you can tell yet because. There is a very good chance that, like, if Burn Hollywood, burn indeed. Good reference. If
1: we can get a lid on coronavirus in the next year, that there might be an absolute explosion of movie. Like, we could have an, another, like, uh, a mini uh, renaissance of film going just because people are happy to be able to go anywhere and do something. You know what I mean? Like, they're just gonna be like yes I'll go see a movie I'll go see a Pauly Shore movie it's a movie it's in a movie theater I want to have this experience and that could like keep it going like like give it a little burst to keep like the the the, the, the business model intact uh, but it's it is clearly in a terminal decline it was in a terminal decline before Corona is the thing and this could be the bullet to the head of old Yeller uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to are they able, are, are the studios are the movie theater chains able to hold on in the absence of revenue long enough to not just abandon the fucking model and find something else.
0: I saw somebody tweeting again, something that I thought was very funny, uh, something that like Netflix should open uh, a line of movie theaters. And I think that that is like would be so perfect just to go all the way back around to the original Hollywood model. Netflix whereas,
1: owns movie theaters. They do? Yes. They bought, uh, they bought, I think they bought a closed movie theater in LA and they bought a movie theater, a single mark, a single screen theater in New York because until recently, this might change now
0: to, to get the screening requirements. Exactly. To be down to, the
1: yeah. a Netflix movie could not be eligible for awards if they were not screened in a theater. And so they bought theaters just to show the movies so that they could be eligible for awards. Uh, and that's it's it's all about like legitimizing Netflix like as a brand that is on par with cinematic output. Right. Uh, and so if as long as that rule is intact, uh, they'll have a motivation at least to to have theaters be existent. But I think that's one of those things that's going to go away if, if the business model changes that those, those requirements are going to go away, too.
0: Um, yeah, I do. Th- yeah, I do just think it would be funny to just go back to the system where the 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 studios own the theaters i do think
1: it's very funny that uh that christopher nolan they allowed warner brothers allowed christopher nolan to cost them like a half a billion dollars <laughs> because if they had released Tenet like two months ago on vod for twenty dollars it would have made a billion dollars i would have bought it instead they like letting it out in drips and drabs it's, it's made like 20 million dollars in the u.s and like the few theaters where people are deciding to go see them which baffling to me uh but it's it, and by, they might eventually cave and put it on VOD, but by that point, it'll have been all of the mystique like Nolan's whole deal is a mystique. Like, this is the one visionary director who is allowed to make his own stuff with a big budget, and he's got all these mind bending twists. And now it's all going to leak out, it's all going to leak out and, and, and become just some more shit. It's going to get normalized and, 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 and denatured. And if they even if they cave and put it out on VOD, it's not going to make the money it would have, and it's all because they because he got such a position. Because of his previous successes, that he was able to essentially leverage that to avoid a release uh, on streaming that would have actually made money. It's kind of amazing. Like he's a one-man wrecking crew. He's a, he's like Michael Chamino all over again. <laughs> uh,
0: somebody in chat, I'll, I'll, I'll end with a little uh, self-congratulation. Somebody in chat was reminding me that one of my predictions uh, New year's in our New Year's episode, which would be hilarious to go back. Oh, listen, God, right. I need to re-listen to that. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> somebody. somebody uh, uh,
1: we, were, we were a lot of. Uh, we, were, we were just one collective bunch of. Uh, of uh, what the fuck's his name? The guy from uh, the Ed Wood movies. The mentalist. I, I don't know. The, the future is the place where we'll all be spending the rest of our lives. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones played him in Ed Wood.
0: Anyway, that was us. Uh, somebody reminded me that one of my predictions would, was this was going to be the year that one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies finally failed and that we got to start seeing the cracks in their system and I got to congratulate myself because I was correct but not for why I thought I would be yeah well hey you know you didn't say why that's true I didn't put any stipulations on it yeah Um. alright we're at 111 for this um i think we're gonna sign off today unless you got anything else matt no i'm good okay great
1: i gotta find out who the fuck was that guy uh
0: chriswell chriswell that's it all right thank you chat cray yes indeed (laughs) creation gucci gucci louie louie vendi vendi prada uh we'll (laughs) leave you with that uh say good night matt
1: good night matt